welcome to the Line Break Podcast. My name is Chris Corlew, and with me as always is my friend and co-host, Bob Sakura. Hello! We're here. Yeah, I, I think we are here. We did it. I think we're here. We did it, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're not here. You're not in Chicago anymore. Uh, Correct. I am no longer We're not continuing last month's episode. Bob didn't stay at my house for six weeks. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately. Uh, You're just coming back from Iowa, you were telling me. I just came back from Iowa from pretending to be a young person um, and seeing some live music outdoors. I'm extremely exhausted, powering (laughs) through for the pod to give the people what they want or to fit into our tiny little window while our schedule's line up right now <laughs> exactly i too have been pretending to be a young person i uh, yeah my uh, my kid um my mysteriously recently five-year-old i, I don't I don't like to i don't want his birthday to be public information but it's sometime in the summer that's kind of unavoidable um uh for the first time went to stay with his grandparents for three nights <sighs> so yeah i uh Turned my alarm clock off for a whole weekend. It was incredible. I went to a movie, went out to dinner twice. (laughs) Amazing. That rules. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And today we're reading poems because it's a Tuesday. Why shouldn't we be reading poems on a Tuesday? I was also going to say because we think this is fun. We do think this is fun. It's debatable, but we do. Well, presumably if they're listening to the podcast, they think it's fun. That's true. That's true. I did. I did. My my mom did bring up before she was taking my son down to uh, down to Tennessee. Uh, my parents do listen to our podcast and try try to understand poetry. <laughs> uh, it's a big gesture, and I told them that I, you know, I was like, you know, part of the point of this podcast is to you know bring the poems to people like you, right, <laughs> who, right, who, who don't 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 know poetry and are trying. So, yeah. <laughs> Shout That's, out to our parents. My dad's a regular listener. My mom when. Uh... When they're on the road together or something. Uh, there you go. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to supportive parents. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll try. We know We know it's an effort. <laughs> <laughs> we think it's fun, but we know it's, it's an effort. <laughs> um, speaking of trying, today's episode is probably not going to be titled, but could loosely be titled um, Poets Chris has like seen the names of and been meaning to read for a long time and it's like finally getting around to it um your poet's gonna be my first experience with well i mean no i've read their poems in like journals and stuff before yeah my first experience sitting down and thinking about their writing really because i haven't read right. a collection and then my poet is this uh, a poet i've again known for a long time read some poems here and there but am reading um my first collection of theirs uh which right, people right, right. know if they've read the description but let's just get into it but we'll what's your poem it. today all right, I'm reading um, a poem by uh, Wendy Shu um, from her latest collection called "The Past," and I cannot recommend enough um, googling the uh, cover of this collection. Um, I'm do it right now. Really the beautiful. It's called "The Past." Um, it's really beautiful. I mean, for me, like "The Past," what a, is such a killer name um, for a collection? Like, yeah, oh, ball, definitely. Ball it's like when explosions back. in the sky named an album "The Wilderness." <laughs> oh yeah this is a great cover right yeah uh, I, I think it's yeah to me it's both beautiful and evocative and and yeah i don't know it gives me big like um I don't know, 70s vibes for some reason like, mm-hmm. uh, like, a, like a living room in the 70s or something mm-hmm. yeah 
Um, yeah, and I just uh, I've read at least one collection before, maybe a chapbook. Um, just yeah, someone I've had my eye on for a while. Um, been doing good work, and I read this collection at some point this summer. And this is one of my favorite poems from it, which there were a number of them. We'll talk more about it, yada, yada. But let's get to it. An incredibly, Bob would like this poem title, Elegy for Soft Things. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I got a big laugh. (laughs) You would like the title of this poem. Elegy for Soft Things. The green ache, like crescendo up across the cheek, hugs the wincing eye. Unsolvable as this Wednesday's metallic rain, silver and burning as a factory's insides. Some hours I laid there like the dead in a shady corner or in the bathroom mirror, fingering the shyest molar, a miniature district of pain. Birds continued to shit from the air into uncovered manholes, an ugly haircut on television decried trees. When I looked across the table at my love, he was saying something about the president, about the koi in the disappearing meadow, and the needs of children we won't have. The twinkle in my eye was beginning to hurt again. I'll be there soon to recline in the chair while they mix up the heavenly white paste with a plastic knife, tip the concrete into my mouth as if I too were a city in need of hardening. Yeah, what a poem. What a poem, man. This one's so good. Ah, man, this, there, are, there are turns of phrase in there that, and, and uh, little, little things like unsolvable as this Wednesday's metallic rain or um, as if I too were a city in need of hardening. Uh, there's one other. I'll, I'll find, oh, fingering the shyest molar. Where I was mm-hmm. like, this, this is the kind of like little language twists and turns and language games that like I sort of wish was happening more in the collection that I'm reading right now but mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah this is awesome um, so yeah sorry favorite lines like right up top you go ahead <laughs> why this poem <laughs> um, I think I would say again this is a poet I've admired and is one where I think I know I need to like come back to reading multiple times i think there is um i mean kind of exactly like you're pointing to this is a poet whose work like unveils itself like best upon multiple readings i notice something a little bit different every time but also at the same time a poet that i enjoy and also a poet that it's like i know i feel like i have to put some work in to like really get the most out of it um one of those actually yeah read all these out loud kind of poet yeah yeah um, and yeah, and that was exactly my thought with, with this collection was I, I, I finished it and I felt like towards the end, I was like really starting to go to a rhythm, um, of like reading and being with the poems, but as one, well, I was like, I need, I know I need to go back and like do this all over again. Yeah. Like, sometimes that last third of a collection, I, I, I can yeah. feel myself like not spending enough time with the poem and just like turning the page and be like, Oh, mm. my brain <laughs> kind of skipped that one. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, I just I just kind of look back through some of the because I've got this from the library, but some of the pictures I took of poems in there and was like, this is one of my favorite ones. This is one that like stood out to me, and I think is like a helpful maybe entry point to talking about why I like her work so much because um, she's much more formally 
inventive um, and I think ambitious than like necessarily this poem gets at. And I think also this is not necessarily like the best reflection of the content of the book. I think she's doing a lot more um, sure. than this like quiet little poem. But, you know, just like I walking away and being like, this to me feels like an entry point and like why I like this poet so much. And I wanted to think about that, talk about it and sure. bring it to the pod. And also like a poem a poem and a poet that I know I feel like I'm going to bring and I'm going to read the poem. We're going to start talking about it and be like, wow, there's so many more things I have to say than I even necessarily thought I would. Right. 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 Yeah. Definitely. Um, just to return a little bit. I love doing that. I don't do it with every book I read of taking pictures of like passages mm. and stuff like that. Cause I have a five year old. So the storage on my phone is like perpetually, you know, almost <laughs> full. Um, but I love doing that with books and then like kind of coming back. I, I, I'm pretty obsessive about like cleaning out my camera roll Mm. and but then it's like i get this little snapshot of like what i liked about that book as i was reading it and i I like i like doing that so a recent little artifact that i've found i enjoy i i always worry though i so i'm pretty good about cleaning up just because the phone i don't pay for like extra storage and the phone has only so much so i have to like wipe out all my photos and put them on a computer um and I have this ambition someday to like actually organize some of those photos. I don't know if it'll ever happen. Um, yeah. But I like the idea of like that I'll be going through those and be like, oh, I have to throw all of these poems into a folder and just like have this folder of like all of these poems. Yeah. Um, and and like kind of like have these rushes back to, you know, things I honestly a lot of times maybe only read one or two or three times, you know, pretty quickly. Um, and was yeah. like, oh, I love this. I have to save it. Um there's a, <laughs> yeah, for sure. There was a moment earlier this year when I was like, I think I understand scrapbooking now. Because, you know, like, all my, like, um, you know, because I, I, I blog now, so I, I'm, I, which is, I don't use it like a journal, but it, it's it's a kind of journal for what my brain is. And um, um, I just, uh, you know, noticing as my kid, go, kid grows up that, like, maybe I do want, like, a hard cover book that's like a snapshot of what I was into that year, including like poems and stuff, you mm. know, um, rather than just, I don't know, clogging up Google servers or whatever. <laughs> right. Right. Google needs right. a break every once in a while. No one, <laughs> no one, no one thinks about them. They... <laughs> uh, no, now we are thinking about the past capital, right. everything, the past. <laughs> now we're in the past. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's get back to the poem though. You said entry point for stuff you liked about this poet but that this poem is not necessarily representative of even the collection, let alone their work. So mm-hmm. what, um, what about the poems doing it for you? I mean, we, we could go into the move or just like, you can keep it generally if general, if you want. Right. Right. I think, I think I want to like narrow it down to two things and, and, and kind of leading with, with what you were, you were pointing to with just those favorite lines. Um, it's just, and we say this so often, but, you know, talk about a poet making every word, every line count using like every opportunity to, you know, zoom in on, on image or metaphor or both and, and like make something happen. If we start back at the, the beginning, we have this green ache, like a crescendo up across the cheek that hugs the wincing eye, you know, and so we're, we're starting with a sense of a, uh, discomfort if not you know straight up pain yeah um, the whole first kind of... stanza is basically i have a headache but right right and yeah i'd like to take that idea and to move it into it's unsolvable as this wednesday's metallic rain which immediately fills my head 
by the way, just like, sorry to cut you off. Just <laughs> no, immediately feels like an unsolvable rain and it's being compared to a headache. Like, I mean, it's just, it, it doesn't really tell me anything, but it already automatically just tells me mm-hmm. so much. Right. And I think that's what I'm getting at is like doing so much work. Um, and I think those first three lines are, but I'm, I'm so taken by silver and burning as a factory's insides. Yeah. That simultaneously like perfect and something I also would not think to write. Yeah. You know, and especially a, considering where we came from. A great twist too, because silver and burning as a factory's in the inside, I think it's the S there, but like there's something that makes my brain want to autofill as a factory's ashes instead of insides. Mm, it's yeah. Like the rubble of a factory, but no, it's just like things are burning in factories all the time. Right, 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 right. right. And, uh, and, and the thing about, the thing about factories is they, they keep going, you know, until they're shut down, but you know, like they, they, yeah. it's, it's supposed to be, you know, as, as, as long as it's work hours, a perpetual motion machine. And, um, that just adds to, you know, the feeling of like unsolvability for this headache. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm thinking about that. Uh, the motion machine thing you just said, <laughs> and how that might also be kind of, hanging over everything going on here. I don't mean to do a, a stanza by stanza reading, but I might at least do one or two more. Sure. The next one, some hours I laid there like the dead in a shady corner or in the bathroom mirror, fingering the shyest molar. So that's all just like, kind of like very quickly descriptive, but also not overly detailed. I think kind of just like really quickly, like letting you kind of get into this and then landing on that incredible line, a miniature district of pain. Yeah. Especially right after the zeroing in on the molar. Yeah. 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 That's something about, that's something I had in mind. I'm so glad you said that of the way that there seems to be like a camera zooming in really close, moving in really close to things. Um, to kind yeah. Because those, those first two lines of that stanza, some hours I lay there like dead, like the dead in a shady corner. It's a little surprising. I don't usually think of like laying in corners. I think of sitting in corners, <laughs> yeah, or standing in yeah. corners, um, laying like the dead. That's pretty solid, you know. But like, or in the bathroom mirror, those two lines are still sort of general. And then yeah, mm-hmm. they, it like zooms right into fingering the shyest, shyest molar. A miniature district of pain is like the title of a Rob Zombie song, but <laughs> like because we're where we are in the stanza. Yeah, it it has this like containedness, you know. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's a small amount of pain, but it is enough pain, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it is enough pain. <laughs> yeah, and there's something about that following the factory's insides, um, where this logic is seems to be developing for me as a reader. Sure. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily logic that I could even part- fully articulate right now, or necessarily even fully understand. Um, but there's this logic of discomfort, pain, uncertainty, um, being connected to physical locations. Um, I'm, and I'm thinking particularly to like urban locations. Yeah. Right um, next, right after that, we have the uncovered manholes, right? The uncovered manhole. And of course we're, we're leading to the end of the poem, um, with this image about concrete, which I'm definitely going to talk about more at some point. <laughs> Cause I, I like, I, I knew I had read it and processed it. And then when I was reading it out loud, I was like, Oh wait, there's stuff going on the ending that I am not prepared to talk about. So we're going to have to do it together live. Real time. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, but I'll, I'll stop with kind of like my answer to this question with that, with this third stanza, this incredible two lines, this incredible couplet that to me is getting at something that again, I, I'm having trouble naming. I'll read it first and then try and talk it out. 
Birds continue to shit from the air into uncovered manholes. An ugly haircut on television decried trees. I'll start with just, you know, just micro what I love. Um, I think in general, I love, I love swearing in poems. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. But also like selectively. You know? Right, right, right. Um, I feel like this shit feels jarring in this in this poem. Um, it's because it it's called Elegy for Soft Things. <laughs> right, yes. I yes, think because I was like, when, it, when, when, it, when we got to the line, when we got to the stanza, I was like, I'm going to put a pin in that and like talk about it because it's like, it's this hard bird shit. Right in yeah. the middle of the poem, right in the middle of this like soft poem. But as we're reading the first two stanzas, I'm like, this isn't a soft poem. This is a poem about yes. pain. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, oh, yeah, like <laughs> the elegy for soft things. There's not a lot of soft in this poem. And if a title is supposed to instruct, as we've talked about right. before, you know, like it's kind of preparing me for, I, I, I guess you write elegies about things that aren't there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> But, but keep going, keep going with your. Uh, no, but you're right. It's 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 this poem is doing that thing that the title is instructing, but it's not. There's a way that I think we come to expect in elegy to talk a lot about the thing and embody the thing kind of somehow, and this is yeah. doing the opposite of that. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, that second line, an ugly haircut on television decried trees. I mean, an ugly haircut on TV on, alone is, I think really funny and like yeah. takes me to a very specific place kind of person you know like i i'm with you but decries trees um, is so why good. is it fox news why <laughs> probably I'm, I'm now picturing megan kelly i now have to have yeah, an image of megan kelly in like a red blazer on like one of the TVs that you see like in downtown, like by the by ABC or whatever. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah I just imagine like walking down the sidewalk, seeing a bird shit into an open manhole, <laughs> yes. while, while in the window of a <laughs> of a storefront or, or whatever, an office building front. <laughs> Megan Kelly's talking about how it's actually the rainforest fault that we have climate change. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so, like that's the only way for me to read this is someone. Yeah, yeah is this like you know person behind a desk and you know news reporting that you know and like the talk show version of news that we have today um, right. but saying like trees bad now thumbs down <laughs> <laughs> this just in tree is terrible is hunter biden behind trees <laughs> keep going keep going with the poem well but i mean all the all the like that i i think i wanted to get to with there is I'm so impressed with this poem. And I mean, maybe we could just, you know, kind of talk about that as, um, you know, working in like a, a lyric tradition. I, you know, we've talked before on this, and I do think I lean a little bit more towards narrative work that really like grounds me and situates me in some sort of context. When things get too abstract, I kind of lose, I don't know, some of my ability to hang on to a poem. For but sure. there's a there's a way here that I'm so fascinated with that she is simultaneously being specific enough, yeah. but also it is there's something slippery about this poem that it's not telling me this like it's you know it's not telling me an A to B story, um, it's not giving me all the details, but it's giving me enough that I can kind of like wander around and feel in what is there for um, sure. Yeah. Um, again, I, I, I don't think I'm saying that as well as I would like to, 
but I, that's just like on my mind this way that it is resisting resisting being too specific but like not losing any complexity um, definitely definitely there's a way of, you could go with like you know you could read this poem and be like well this is what it, it makes me think about and this this is where i'm mm -hmm. at with it but yeah. like i like your did you say wander around the poem yeah, um, yeah i like yeah i like that yeah it's a poem you can you can read and wander around in for a while because like i don't know i think with like you know say the beginnings of poems especially with like a green egg like a crescendo up across the heat cheek hugs the wincing eye it almost sounds like waking up with a headache to me, but now I'm just like, mm. I'm wondering if like this whole time they're sitting at like a, you know, a table somewhere like at a, a you know, like an outdoor cafe in a city or something like that. Mm -hmm. and the speaker mm -hmm. just gets a headache, you know, I don't, mm. I don't, and also that doesn't matter. Like whatever yes. you're picturing with the poem, whatever, wherever it takes you is probably fine, you know? Sure. Uh, sure. Uh, because you're, you're, you're getting, you're getting enough specificity and like, you know, the, there's a lot of headache stuff. You know, we, we, we didn't get down to the twinkle in my eye was beginning to hurt again. That's oh, my God. It's stanza. so good. It's its own it's stanza. So good. Every other stanza is five, five, four, or two lines. And then this one just, like, kind of, like, or six, five, four, or two lines. And this one just kind of sits there in the middle, like, the way that pain comes back and just reminds you that it's still there when, like, something's right. sore, you know? Right. Yeah, you're just, you're just kind of wandering around, like, all of life with a headache in this poem. And, uh... <laughs> Yeah, but I I'm so glad you you brought us back to that line. I love it so much, and you also brought me back to right above that. I'm at the table. I'm cross the table talking to my love. He's saying something about the president, about the koi and the disappearing meadow, and the needs of children we won't have. And that was one of the lines that like triggered yeah. this for me. Is the way that the poem is no interest in telling me like why they won't have children, right? Um, but it's giving me so much that I can kind of feel connected to it. Um, that I can, not just like I can guess, but also, but like that, that line to me is more about, mm, <laughs> this sounds awful as I say it, but it's more about like this, um, kind of emotional register than like logical register. You know, I'm okay, not supposed to yeah. know all of the information, um, uh, but I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying something live. No, no, I think so. I think I think there's a multiplicity of interpretations here, and I think like the we we just took ugly haircut on television to crying trees and turn it into Fox News, <laughs> right. you know. Um, so that that got me into climate change mm -hmm. uh, mentality. Yeah. So it's like, well, does are they not having children because of climate change? Or are they not having right. children because their relationships falling apart? Or they're right. not having children because they can't have children. It doesn't, right. you know, none there's of that really reasons. matters. Yeah. But like it's yeah. it's you know it's it's there. Um, um, and, it's but, a, and like, it's and like a, how it's hanging there on the end of the stanza too, right? It's definitely There's calling our attention to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there's a way like any of those possible reasons have resonance in this poem. You know, yeah, like your yeah. your your brain can go places, but like it's still it's more about the energy that it's bringing to the poem and 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 the ways that like that makes one feel. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So is that is that the move, or do do we do the move, or did you have a more specific move? That was no. My mood was my move was was big broad in general, maybe. <laughs> we, we 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 can we can do a big broad in general move. Yeah, what's big the move? Broad the poem. In general. <laughs> <laughs> the poem exists. Well, what's uh, what's beyond the page for you then? What's um, 
you, you seem like you're bringing a lot to this poem. I guess so. Um, but also it might just be like tired and slinging, you know? Sure. Like, or just... you, you might just be jacked to talk about it, you know? Right. That, there is that, that wasn't me that. saying, Bob, there seems, seems like there's something wrong with you today. Are no. It okay? <laughs> <laughs> was not that. No. Well, because I was going to say for the last question um, for Beyond the Page, how... I guess just as, as a soft boy, <laughs> there was there was an initial instinct, you know. As a soft boy, uh, it doesn't exist in the world of this poem. <laughs> no, but just it was, it was there's some instinct uh, to I don't know I, a really simple why I'm drawn to it or what does beyond the page. But I think I'm really curious about the more I think of this um, this poem, it's like relation to place again we've talked about like this feels like such a city poem i believe yeah. she's she's in new york so this poem has this connection to place and it's 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 having at least some suggestion of the way this place seems to be um having these hardening influence on a speaker uh, you know the speaker wants to have an elegy for soft things because yeah it's like every direction they turn kind of there's there's some sort of discomfort or you sure, know whatever sure um and maybe i'm just feeling sweet in comparison to that as someone who's like three years into living in a new place sure um and i've seen some of the ways that that this place has opened up things for me um there you go. so i'm having a very opposite reaction sure you're not <laughs> a city good about myself. yeah you're right a... but i mean also this again the collection being called the past like time is such an important thing and i think that yeah. is happening for me here too um something about space time travel <laughs> <laughs> your your existence in a place over time and your relationship to the place um man i oof. Things, well, words are coming out, but how about this? Uh, as a um, as a person who's moved a good deal in your adult mm-hmm. life, I, yeah. I, I've moved a good deal, but it's all before I was like three, so I don't really remember. It. Right. But as a person who's moved, uh, do you ever feel? Uh, I guess I'll, I'll ask a two part question, kind of keep it quick. Do you ever feel like a place has hardened you or softened you, and do you feel like any particular place has ever had an impact on your work? Wow. Good question. <laughs> I I probably can only come back with a really complicated answer um, to say I think everywhere lived has both softened and hardened. Sure. Okay. There you go. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, one of my immediate, immediate responses is how, like, living in Utah when I was 21 and 22 was rough. Yeah. You know? And, like, like made me really mad about a lot of things. Sure. Yeah. Um, but also was such a emotionally stretching time that I, I, that's like softness feels crucial to that too, you know, that I almost like had to be soft in response to that. Yeah. Chicago absolutely is a, is a back and forth of both of that. Sure. Um, I think just because it, I, one, I have so much time there and different times in my life there that it's, um, you know, I can just feel kind of both those things happening. Probably the last time probably was closer to hardening. Um, sure. I remember I was really fed up with how busy. I mean, it's funny because COVID ended. Like I was the my my very very end there was COVID, but like t- right. before that happened, I was getting really grumpy about crowds. And stuff. <laughs> 
Why are there so many people here? <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Um, I do think about place in my work a lot. Yeah. And I have a sadness. I mean, I have a sadness every day that we don't have a good public transit system in Kansas City. Sure, yeah. Even if the mayor likes to talk about how the bus lines are free and how it's so great and it wasn't really his choice or call, um, but also the buses don't come often enough. Um, right. That's most, <laughs> but, uh, most, most bus systems in America that aren't, <laughs> that aren't like the big cities or, yeah, it's like the mayor will talk it up and then nobody writes yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> like that in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, too. I feel like I wrote about public transit so much in Chicago. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, there's a way of, like, at, that you are out and about there that did things to my work. And I always write about driving a lot for I don't know why. You do write about driving a lot. I, I love writing about driving. I think because I secretly like, well, I like road, I don't like driving, but I like road trips. Sure, okay. There yeah, you go. I hate yeah. city driving. Now we're just talking about, I don't know. <laughs> I want to I want to get us past this, but I do just want to spend like a a quick 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 second on the last stanza, sure. the last two I guess. The twinkle in my eye was beginning to hurt again. Like which rules? I like I don't even have anything to say about it. It's so good. It's, it's yeah. It's 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 perfect. Right where it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's perfect. But that last stanza, I, I just I don't know. It really registered in a different way for me when I read it out loud here. I'll be there soon to recline in the chair, which. You know, is is feels like a a twist or a turn. You know, right at the end. Right. Well, they mix up the heavenly white paste, which at that point I have no idea what she's talking about, with a plastic knife. Tip the concrete into my mouth, as if I too were a city in need of hardening. Um, and I don't fully know what to do with that ending, but like it's. It, I mean, it's I did so it when you good. first read it. It, yeah, it, it's a really you know it's a it's really evocative. It's really visceral and yeah, know, unpleasant. And since we've been talking about it, you know, the speaker's been talking about having pain in their molar. They're they're going to get yeah the yeah, like, yeah. End in a dentist chair and like what an unpleasant <laughs> way to end a poem. Not only in a dentist chair, which is already awful, but then like you know. Getting, I assume that the white paste is. Um, I don't pay attention very much. No, to I dentists. think I think you're, I think you're so dead on with this dentist thing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if it's a filling or what. You know, I and I I don't pay attention. I've had cavities. I've had braces. I've had all of right. that. I, I have a permanent retainer that just popped off the other day while I was eating a mango. <laughs> it's like hanging, like like dangling in my mouth. It's it's horrible. Um, I I know all about the dentist, but I don't pay attention when I'm there because it's it's right. an awful place. Yeah, so I assume I assume the molar's getting filled or something, and man, yeah, it's it's <laughs> a last stanza. It yeah, it's it's. I love the way. Yeah, she's not telling you that. I think everything you're saying is there. You know, but yeah, for me, like just the image of you. Know, she doesn't even say light concrete. She just tip the concrete, and yeah, it's just right. like this concrete being poured into your mouth. It's like yeah. I'm imagining uh. like so a combination of like a, a cement mixer and a face hugger from Alien. You know? <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> that's all I wanted to say is that ending. That ending rules. That yeah, could have been the move. You know? like, yeah, oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. As if I too were a city in need of hardening. Is a is a great great a great line of poetry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness all right i'm pulling up your poem all right i'm gonna i'm gonna uh to get us very far away from the city to take that road trip we were talking about 
I'm reading Mary Oliver this week. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Mary Oliver, who uh, I, I, you find out later in the book, lives in a different place when she's writing this book as she, uh, uh, than she was in, um, when, for most of her career. Um, and she's not completely sold on the mangrove trees yet uh, in this book. Uh, she's also not completely sold on um, the uh, blueberries they get. They come from South America, as opposed to the uh, fields that she's used to. That's okay. later in the collection, though. This isn't uh, this isn't part of this poem. But um, <laughs> talk about place and what it does to your work. I've got some examples. There we go. <laughs> All right. So this is um, uh, now I don't have the name. Blue horses. Blue horses is the, is the name of the collection. Uh, Latter Day Mary Oliver. So this poem is: If I wanted a boat, if I wanted a boat, I would want a boat. If I Wanted a boat that bounded hard on the waves, that didn't know starboard from port, and wouldn't learn. That welcomed dolphins and headed straight for the whales, that, when rocks were close, would slide in for a touch or two, that wouldn't keep land in sight and went fast, that leaped into the spray. What kind of life is it always to plan and do, to promise and finish, to wish for the near and the safe. Yes, by the heavens, if I wanted a boat, I would want a boat I couldn't steer. I think you've outdone yourself in choosing a Chris poem. <laughs> it did, the, the title, I know, I was, I was just picking a poem this morning. The title uh, the title hit me and I was like, I had a couple others in the running, but I was like, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get a chuckle out of, out of me Ooh. reading a boat poem. Let's <laughs> 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 just go ahead and play into the brand here. <laughs> Oh, get this guy a boat. <laughs> I have a, I have an inflatable kayak, um, but if anyone wants to buy me a real kayak, that would be uh, be fine with that. Um, I also need a mount for my car, so you could buy me that too. Um, um, all right. Uh, well, I mean, you've alluded to it, but tell us uh, why this poem, why this poet. So I, I I've been I've been kind of like laughing about this Mary Oliver book I've been reading this whole podcast. Uh, right before we got on air, I told Bob. I picked this up randomly at the at the bookstore. Uh, shout out to Women and Children First Chicago, because I was just looking at the poetry section. Saw a Mary Oliver yeah. book. Right. I like Mary Oliver. I followed the Mary Oliver bot on Twitter. Uh, if it, I don't think they still exist, but um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I like Mary Oliver. I like na- nature poems. I've never read a collection. Mm-hmm. I bought this collection. I don't. I don't have an Ami. It's downstairs in the other room. It's it's a latter day collection. It's towards yeah. the end for life, and I feel a little bit like I was like, I should get into the Beatles, and I bought a Wings album. You know, <laughs> like, there's nothing wrong with Wings. Wings is good. Wings is not the Beatles. Uh, and so I'm, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm reading a collection that I would appreciate a lot more if I had been following this poet their entire life or right. read a couple of other books. And because it very much reads like a person near their, the end of their life kind of writing the, their little poems. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's very good, but, like, it's not – Nothing's particularly surprising in it to me yet. Mm-hmm. Um, some interesting line break choices, but like, just like reading them and reading them, they, they read as like kind of sim- simple and maybe I'm only halfway through and they need it to be like sure. deceptively simple to me. I just think I need to buy an earlier Mary Oliver book, maybe two, right. read them, then come back right. to this book. Because uh, I'm enjoying it, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not rewiring my brain or anything like that. <laughs> and I wanted to pick this poem, besides the the, the, the boat joke, is because I appreciated the audacity 
of having a poem where the central conceit completely falls apart if you think about it for 10 seconds. It's still kind of working as a poem. Because, like, I don't buy into this metaphor. Tell me how you feel. Because I don't buy into this metaphor of, like, you just want a boat that doesn't work. Like, I respect the water way too much to go out there without a boat that doesn't work. That, 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 that doesn't work. But I also respect the metaphor of, like, finding your place in the world and, like, and, 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 and being in kind of, like, enjoying the untamable, enjoying the unconventional, um, you know, uh, I read this as like a boomer rebel rallying cry kind of thing, you know, like, a um, that sort of thing. But the central conceit, like you, you have a book that doesn't steer, you really don't want that. I want all the things this poem is a metaphor for. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted to talk about what do we do with a poem that's pretty good, but the metaphor completely falls apart. How do we address it? Wow. Yeah. I was not ready for that. (laughs) Um, I mean, I think I'm ultimately with you. That makes me so much more excited than I'm trying to think of what the the boat metaphor would be that's doing the same thing, but that like has... A tighter logic, I guess you, you know you might say. Right, right. That's that's it. Yeah, the logic of the poem right. isn't there. Yeah, but yeah, if, I almost if this... buy into it. Even, well, just how much? Well, I don't know that I buy into it, but the logic <laughs> of the poem isn't there, and that's kind of interesting to me. Agree. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is like if there was this like nice clear logic to that metaphor, um, I think I'm less interested in it. Yeah. Um, because yeah, now this does make me have to like push further and think about what. What could be the benefits that she's seeing that I'm missing? <laughs> um, what what co- kind of complexity could be caused? <laughs> now, have I ever mentioned on this podcast that um, my preferred uh, method of like corpse disposal when I'm when I'm dead, I would really like to be a whale fall when I die. Uh, you you can't be buried at sea. It's illegal to be buried at sea, or it's like at least really complicated. But um, it was just called dumping at that point, right? Right. <laughs> but you know, if I if I if I had my if I had my 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 cosmic druthers, I would uh-huh. be I would be an ecosystem for mm. uh, animals at the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, so an advantage to a boat that does this here, um, if it doesn't keep land in sight and oh line gosh. break went fast and we did this. Break. Oh my like, goodness! <laughs> I, 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 I'm not I'm not trying to make light of suicidal ideation or anything like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just like, what is the advantage? Like, I don't, mm. you know, there is no logic to this poem, which maybe is the point. Like, maybe it is an extreme version of like go against the grain. Maybe like I'm, I'm going to say go against the grain, even when it doesn't make sense. You know, or just like some sort of like, I perhaps being too generous here, but like. You can't really, well, kind of like you're saying, you, you, I don't know, I forget what exactly how you phrased it, but you, you know, you are afraid of the water enough. You trust the water enough to do its thing that like someone on a boat imagines they have control, but ultimately the water still is going to do what it wants. You know, like you kind of have to work with it, you know, but you're mostly going against it. And like, if the storm is big enough, you're screwing it. So there's some sort of like, you're not really in control. So like. Right, that's the Maybe thing I like. like I like this idea of yeah. like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I did that gets a little into the move, which is okay. The, the, I, do, I do think there's an interesting line break, but 
it's the the sentence is yes by the heavens if i wanted a boat i would want a boat that couldn't steer that i couldn't mm-hmm. steer but the the last two lines are heavens if i wanted a boat i would want line break a boat i couldn't steer mm-hmm. um and there's 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 something like playful and sing-songy about this poem that's that's really right. pleasant i shouldn't ignore that um it you know it's it's um these are all um everything that i've read so far in this collection about halfway through is um there are poems i can imagine reading to my kid they're like they're, mm-hmm. they're really they, they sound real nice you know yeah yeah but uh there's something about like yeah respecting the water respecting things you just don't understand in i would want a boat that i couldn't steer like i i want um a tool I can trust that will take care of me, even if like it's kind of things are out of my hands a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, There's something about like knowing your place in the world, knowing your, um, having a, having humility about your, uh, about your existence. That is nice. That I like in this poem. Um, I think that's ultimately why that, that and the, the, I want to talk about a meta, a, a metaphor with logic collapsing, but like, yeah, I do. I do like the idea of, yeah. Understanding, you know, having humility about where you, where you are in the cosmic right. structure. Kind of right. Thing. Right. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So thinking about that kind of ending, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, a classic, <laughs> you read the ending and I just like, whoop, go all the way back up. I'm, I'm, one of the things that's so striking to me about this poem is for lack of better words, like is the size of it. It's one big long sentence to start out. I think. Yeah, I think it's a. It doesn't yeah, have a so sentence break until like one, two, three, four. Five, pretty far six, down. Seven, eight, nine lines in. Right, and all of that first part is. If I wanted a boat, I would want one that does all of these things. It bounds for the waves. It doesn't know starboard from port. It welcomes the dolphins headed straight for the whales. Right? So, like, that's right. kind of our first, you know, structure within the poem. Yeah. And the second one, or the second sentence is, to me, a very Mary Oliver kind of move to have this question. What kind of life is it always to plan and do, to promise and finish, to wish for the near and safe? Which is, uh, I did I did finish counting the lines. This is, uh, that's the 10th line, I think, but uh, this is 14 lines. It is, a, it is, could be a sonnet. <laughs> that could be, that could be the turn if we wanted but, to read right, it that way. Right. And I think, I, I guess I'm just going back to your, you're putting so much pressure on this, you know, conceit, the metaphor that the whole, is working the whole poem, is that it, it does feel like that question what kind of life is it always to plan and do, to promise and finish, to wish for the near and safe? Could be, like, a, it could be a simple question. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, to plan and do, to promise and finish is really... It's so good. Like, I love to promise and finish. It's, <laughs> it's so the, funny. <laughs> right. It's throwing me right there. There's something about uh, women of Mary Oliver's age specifically who mm-hmm. uh, I, I, age, I mean, generation, um, right. like I can picture women of that generation talking like this. And I, I feel like I can picture mm-hmm. other writers writing like this where you yeah. have an abstraction that mm-hmm. is that like you, you say an abstraction as like a, as, as like a, as a, as the finality of the point of the point you're making, like what kind of mm-hmm. life is it to always plan and do 
Well, plan yeah. and do what? No, I just mean planning and doing, you know, or to, <laughs> to promise and finish. Like, right. Just, I don't know. I can hear it. And it's, it's really funny to me. It really, it always, it always gets me like, yeah, why do we plan and do? Why do we promise and finish? Like, <laughs> Um, yeah, there's, I mean, it, there's... It, it is. It is an interesting term. Like as as you're saying, like that. After we have we have all this stuff that the boat does, and right? Then, yeah, maybe right there in the turn, she's like, she's like, <laughs> what am I even doing? I'm writing a poem. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm like caught up in that question, and then as you said, the the way she answers it yes by the heavens if i wanted a boat i would want a boat i couldn't steer um and yeah and like saying that with this like certainty of like yeah that answers all the questions like like, (laughs) and there's a period at the end of the poem which is like an extra like you don't have to put a period at the end of your poems Uh, (laughs) but nope it's a final there's a finality to that sentence if i want a boat i would want one that i couldn't steer (laughs) we're done with this poem that's it <laughs> maybe this is the time to segue into it but but when you mentioned mary oliver i wanted to at least like question you on because you, you know you said you you started with like that you already you like mary oliver but you were like oh i've only read like anthologized or maybe you know a, yeah on like the poetry foundation website or whatever right she is one i think she's done i mean she's done multiple like selecteds and stuffs yeah um, there's one i feel like that is very prominent so I just wanted to. I need I'm, to select I'm, it because I want the biography too. I need. I don't know. What yeah. Or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just curious about, in general, your relationship and appreciation to her. Um, I just. I basically she lives in my head with Laurie Niedecker as like uh, old lady nature poet that I should read a book mm-hmm. of. Um, right. Uh, and uh, we did. This, were you at that thing that Loyola did about uh, Laurie Niedecker? This would have been no. after you graduated. It was my senior year. Yeah. Um, there's a big, I forget, someone came and talked about her. It wasn't Josh. It was right. like somebody, a, a Niedecker scholar, who I wish I remembered the name. I probably liked them. Was it Lisa Fishman, maybe? I don't know. Um, but uh, but it, was, it was really cool. It seared Laurie Niedecker into my brain as like, you know, um, a person from, a poet from a generation one or two previous to me. Yeah. Um, who writes small nature poems. Mm-hmm. And then Mary Oliver kind of also fills that uh, genre that I like, I guess. Right. Right. Um, but I just, I haven't done the deep dive on either of them. Sure. I was just thinking, especially as I was reading uh, Dan Beachy quick earlier this year, I was like, I need any mm. more nature poets that I really like more contemporary nature. Poets yeah. Like. So, um, so yeah, really literally just grabbed this book because it was on the shelf and I was like, okay, right. Mary Oliver. And my kid was like <laughs> ready to leave the bookstore and I was like, all right, I'm oh, just going to get this then. You know? I'm going to grab one. Yeah. Well, cause I'm always, I, I, I just, I'm curious because I feel like there was a time when younger me, like who hadn't read her was dismissive. Okay. Um, and I think it came from, uh, you know, like when you're first, I, I do think this has changed a little bit, but you know, you're first getting into poetry, maybe late high school, early college for those of us who are early two thousands right. folks. Um, and you would go to a Barnes and Noble and the poetry section would literally only have copies of the Odi- of the Odyssey. Yeah. Copies of Bukowski. E. Cummings Co- books. E. E. Cummings, yeah. Um, copies of uh what's his name? Billy 
Oh my god. Oh, Billy Collins. Chloe, Billy uh, Collins. Chloe friend of the show, Chloe and Clark's nemesis. <laughs> right. Um, Billy, Col- Billy Collins and Mary Oliver. Um, oh, was she in there? Man, okay. That's that. If I had known that, that, I would have had a similar relationship to her as you because that borders Barnes and Noble poetry sections were dog shit. They were, they were devastating. They, right. took me, they, they took me right out of looking for contemporary poetry in bookstores. And now, any, yes. it did, though, beef up any indie bookstore. Any right. like, local bookstore, if you have like the smallest shelf that's mm-hmm. just stocked with like like small press books, I will think you're a cool ass bookstore. Like the right. bookstore I worked at in Evanston that's now out of business, um, we had like one shelf like the size like a size of like a four by four, like yeah, not very big, but it had tons of small press stuff in there, and no one would buy it, and it we sell books by the weight at that bookstore. So I would oh. get like I got a Sonia Sanchez book for like a dollar one time. It was incredible. Yeah, right. Um. So I, I would buy all the stuff, but like um. And it turns out I, f- I found out because um, small press poetry at used bookstores lists really well. So if you mm. do have if you do have small press books that you are looking to get rid of, used bookstores right. will probably pay you cash for it. Right. All that was to say, any used bookstore or <laughs> or indie bookstore that has like any small press, I'm like, this is cool. This because those those Borders Barnes and Noble. So oh they were, yeah, they were they were awful. They're miserable, and you pick up like you pick up a Robert Frost book and be like, I like right. Robert Frost. Like, yeah, what's wrong with Robert Frost? And I read like a Robert Frost section at Barnes and Noble, and I'm like, oh, I know why Josh hates this guy now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I, to me that there's just this really funny, I felt slow, um, but just recognizing like all of these people who really like Mary Oliver and, and being like, oh, maybe you should, you need to come back to that. I, my, my favorite yeah. example of this is, uh, uh, Gabrielle Calvacaresi poem, it might have been one we read on the show. Like, I feel like we've time. mentioned her on the show, and it's, it's someone. I feel like Hannah Cohen has mentioned her. Maybe uh, I'm. I'm sorry to any of our past guests if I'm putting words in your mouth. But I feel like Hannah's mentioned her either on the show right. or in passing. Um, I feel like Dianelli's mentioned her, but maybe not. I feel like Lid mentioned him, mentioned her, but maybe not. I, I, I feel a, like she's come a, up on this show, and so it's usually sure. in my brain in the zeitgeist as like, a, oh, sure. poets who have him a phase like Mary Oliver. Yeah. But there's yeah, there's a specific poem I'm I'm, remember, I'm referencing and thinking about where you know she says like Mary Oliver I fucking love Mary Oliver and you know like and I think that like that that emphasis was needed because of like I I don't think I was alone in some of that dismissiveness sure. apologies to everybody sure. um, yeah and all of this is leading to truly the only interesting thing I've written all year <laughs> uh, was uh, just trying to emulate a thing that. I did. I like. I opened up my girlfriend's. She has a collected, selected. It's a selected of Mary Oliver. I opened up first page, read this poem. It's divided up into like five different parts, and I was like, "This rules! I want to do this." Hell yeah! You know, um, so I too want to d- dive in a little bit more. Um, oh, and I can't believe I didn't even get to this. Looking at this poem, um, and not necessarily that this is a Mary Oliver specific thing. But I, I should try harder. I need to try harder. Sure. I can't write a poem like this where you're like, I'm going to come up with an idea if I yeah, wanted a boat. Because and that, I'm just going to write into it. It's so good. You've been to a creative writing workshop. You have an MFA. Like, this shit gets beaten out of you, man. Like, you're not supposed to write like this. And I mostly agree with that. I don't know. <laughs> But you're not supposed know. to take a single conceit and write 14 lines. Just be like, well, there, I did poetry. I think we should do that. 
just it reminds me. I'm trying to shout out past guest Maya Williams. I'm trying to be crisp in what I'm writing more often. <laughs> this so is true. Maybe, this maybe. Is true. I don't know. I'm just I, I. It reminds me of. I've been to like you know like little little like one off like kind of workshop things and like you for that setting you know someone's got maybe an hour they do have sure. to come up with with an assignment essentially yeah you yeah. know and it so often is like come up with the image come up with the metaphor you know compass right. and just write right into it right. and I find that so difficult um, I mean, all I'm getting to is just like I I admire the hell out of people who make that happen I have a couple that are you know coming to mind um, that. I'm going to come up with the, the the big conceit and I'm just going to like see where it takes me. Yeah. Um, better. Right. That's great. Uh, well, <laughs> I want to well, do more of that. While we're on this conversation, I'll give a quick shout out and we got to get to the basketball question because yeah. I got to get to the airport. But um, yeah. <laughs> this past weekend I took a um, tin house, put it on an experimental fiction workshop with Marissa cool. Crane. Um, cool. And it was very fun. It was awesome. But yeah, it was all like, um, like, yeah, just experimental forms of writing fiction. Like we were at, um, uh, that microaggression bingo by Fatima Ashkar. Do you know that poem? It's kind of, mm-hmm. It made the rounds mm-hmm. on Twitter a little while ago. Mm-hmm. But re- it's a, it, it's published as poetry. We were like read it as right. fiction. We're like, yeah, you know, and that that led to a discussion of like, yeah, oftentimes magazines like uh, uh, Marissa Cray was saying that like magazines have taken their work and then been like, hey, can we publish this as a poem? Like even though you submitted it as a story, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's some, sometimes those things are slippery. But like experimental poetry, like taking the conceit, like one of our prompts was the one I ended up choosing to write was like, write a story. That's a wiki. How article, mm-hmm. um, you mm-hmm. know, so the story, yeah. and, and I was like, okay, I, you know, this, they gave us three prompts and I was like, okay, I, I, I came like preloaded with like WIPs and was like, all right, you know, here's yeah. like, I can work on one of these, you know? Right. Um, but now, now I'm trying uh, my kid, my, that, that character is now going to write in wiki, wiki how articles until I find <laughs> a better idea, you know, but like, yeah, like there's some fun in coming up with those conceits and stuff like that. But, right. Um, right. I don't know. Y- younger poets, I would encourage you to push yourself a little bit harder than the, the, the Mary Oliver boat poem. Just while you're starting out, just while you're starting out, like just, 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 just take a little, extra turns of the turns of the screw to your to your lines i guess i don't know um there's uh, nothing, the episode, nothing against Mary Art oliver who i still like <laughs> the episode where chris brings a poem and then says don't do this <laughs> i didn't say don't do this i said i would encourage you to try other things until you feel like you you know i don't know i don't know spend some time with poetry before you do this um, all right all right all right, all right. <laughs> Okay, so uh, basketball question, just uh, off of our, uh, based off of our, um, off of our, our, our two poems, who was a player who you felt like was in a um, city that they just weren't supposed to be in and needed to get out of it that you really think fondly about? Or um, who was a player who you wished added another dimension to their game uh, and Oof. never did? Oof. Um, Derek Coleman works for both of these, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> wow, these are great questions. Uh, mine is Boris Diaw. Boris on the Bobcats was a really bad situation. He went straight to San Antonio. This, is true. Um, this was true. Lost like sixty pounds. Won a championship. I say he got out. It worked. Everyone needed to be get, be out of the Bobcat. Bobcats. Everyone needed to be off that. Bobcats Everyone, team, yeah. yeah. But Boris basically became a Hall of Famer once he left the Bobcats team. <laughs> um. Man, I'm thinking about so many guys on the Knicks, unfortunately. 
<laughs> it's, yeah, for, especially for the location question. Just about everyone yeah. needed to get off the. Or some some dudes need to be on the Knicks, and some dudes need to get off. I the mean, there's some. I wish. Yeah, I wish. I wish some uh, Knicks teams would have worked out in the past. I don't know, thirty years. <laughs> Which ones? Uh, there's no Knicks team I wish worked out, except maybe. Oh, come on. I wish Melo spent more time in the playoffs. That's that's the only thing I wish. Absolutely. I wish Carmelo um, Anthony spent more time in the playoffs. That's all. How cool would it be if Allen Houston and Amari, was like, I like Amari. Amari was great. Allen Houston's great. Yeah. But Allen Houston went to the finals. I saw it. Yeah, but one. like it didn't go well. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that was still that was a cool ass team. They were an eighth seed. They had the the LJ, you know, the four point right. play. Yeah. They uh yeah. they um you know, a finals run to get you know, molly walled by the Spurs in five games. It was, it was, it was a perfect ending to their season. Ah, I would have liked well the redemption. Arc. I, mean, I think that's what I'm saying. Is like every one of these scenes, I'm like, yeah, if they could have done a little bit more. That would have been cool. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, um, not to put too fine uh, a point on it, but there hasn't been a championship in New York in over 50 years. Right. Shout out to Julian perhaps, Williams, by the way, from the show. Julian Williams. Um, perhaps the. Uh, the best, I mean, again, someone who did get out very quickly, very forcefully, but uh, I mean, Jimmy Butler in, in Minnesota is just oh, the, man. Funniest, that the is... funniest thing. <laughs> Jimmy Butler, at the time, I was like, this guy is tanking his career. He's so petty and like, like yeah. he, he whined his way out of the bull. Like when, when, when the Bulls traded him, I was like, we should have gotten more, but like, I, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It seems like it's not working out. And right. then when like, when he left the Timberwolves, I was like, this is kind of like, you know, kind of, kind of bitchy. And then when, yeah. it, when like the Philadelphia thing happened, I was like, what is going on? And then when Miami made that first finals run, I think Ricky yeah. O'Donnell over at SB nation published a thing that was like, uh, Jimmy Butler has always been right. And I read it. <laughs> yeah. and it made me reevaluate the last six years of my life. I was like, Oh my God, Jimmy Butler has always been right. <laughs> and so that, so now the Minnesota thing is so funny. The Philadelphia, so the Tobias Harris over me. <laughs> So funny. Tobias Harris's nickname for the rest of his life is Tobias Harris over me. Um, <laughs> but sarcastically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'll, I'll bring down the, the mood even more by just, you know, Blake Griffin did add all the stuff to his game, but too late. Yeah, that's so sad. That's a bummer. If you had, if you had point God Blake Griffin in his like second season, you would have won a championship. <laughs> well, I was like, we need a secondary ball handler on CP, and then Blake becomes that seven yeah. years later. So, uh, so it goes. Uh, well, Sorry, Bob. Well, we ended with Bob Sad. It's good poetry. <laughs> All right. Our music is done by Brendan Johnson. Our art is done by A.M. Strickland. We will talk to you all next month.